Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. I'm sure we all have those people in our lives who just seem to get pummeled with life. I mean, there's one trial after the next, after the next, and they keep standing and they keep going. Kim White is that person for me. I've never met her personally, but I found her online, and I'm sure you're familiar with her as well from Kim Can Kick It. She is so inspiring to me because she shares the hard She is not a Pollyanna who just pretends that bad things aren't happening to her. She instead embraces the hard and works through it in a way that I think takes far more courage than just pretending everything's okay. Today you're going to hear from Kim how to find our why and our trials, how to choose our own why, and how doing that can transform our ability to work through our trials better. Now, Kim is incredible about sharing all of the good and the bad. Before I turn to my time with Kim, if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe. I get new episodes. I get new episodes downloaded each and every Wednesday, and it will come directly to your phone for free if you subscribe on whatever app you are using. And also join in our community. You can find me online at About Progress on Facebook and on Instagram. And join the fellow progressors that we have who are working on themselves and loving themselves at the same time. All right, let's turn now to my interview with Kim. I want to welcome Kim White to the show. Hi, Kim. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Can you start by giving our listeners an introduction? Yes. I um, am 30 years old. I am a mom. I have a a six-year-old daughter, and we live in Utah. And people best know me because I've been battling um, a rare form of cancer called adrenal cortical carcinoma for uh, four and a half years now. And I've just shared my story through social media. And that's kind of my life right now is just cancer and being a mom. Yeah. And they're both full-time jobs. Um, You've been really transparent this whole four and a half years. I actually read your blog that you started at the beginning of this. Um, And do do you keep that up anymore? Or is it mostly on social media? I mean, you know, with Instagram and stuff. Um, Did you read? I think you probably read read the... It was a blog post, but it was on... um, Not my blog. It was on the Small Seeds blog. That's what it was, yes. Yeah, so they they had wanted me to, they featured me at some point. It was, I'm trying to think when that was, like over two years ago. Yeah. And so they just wanted me to write, and so I wrote for them just an article about my battle and everything that was going on at the time. Okay, well, that's where I originally found you, and I read that, and I was so touched, and um, then I rediscovered you again on Instagram um, the past year, and my goodness, what you do for people is 
and I don't mean this to sound trite, but you give them this gift of sharing how precious life is because you are so clear about how hard you fight for it every day and how little you take it for granted and what precious a precious view you have of this time you have on earth and I'm so appreciative of it I I know that it's not easy um, I don't know personally what you face but because you share it with me it gives me my perspective a new perspective on my own life so I just wanted to thank you for that because it's it can't be easy to share so so much hard and so often oh thank you so much it definitely is not what I set out to do yeah I when I started sharing it was literally because I was so just exhausted from updating my family and friends there yeah. was just so much going on like everything moved so quickly and it was so mm -hmm. detailed and there was just so much that by like at the beginning I was calling every single one of my five siblings and my yeah. parents and wow. then my closest friends and that like and I was just I was exhausted and I was like I can't do this anymore so yeah. I got to the point that I was just like mass texting everyone and I was like check Instagram <laughs> yes <laughs> I was perfect. just like I can't keep up with it anymore and then it just turned into something very unexpected wow well, I mean, you have a personality that people are really drawn to, too. I mean, you are funny, you're vibrant, you are sassy. It's it's so fun to follow you outside of the cancer story, too. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the health battles you face, but more we're going to be talking about the attitude that you, that you face it with and how that's not always... Um, happy or um, victorious or brave, how it's all the hard things. But before we dig into that, I was hoping you could just give us an overview of the health battles you have faced over the past four and a half years. Now, I know that's a lot um, just for our people who are new to you. Yeah, so it started um, at the beginning of 2014 when I was pregnant with a little boy and um, mm -hmm. my blood pressure was super high, and they took me to the doctor, and um, it turned out I had an 11-centimeter tumor on my right kidney, and then before we knew it, I had to deliver that little boy at 18 weeks old, and he didn't survive, so that was really the first horrible thing that happened in all of this, and then since then, I've had um, five major surgeries, and then like 30 smaller um, surgeries and procedures, uh, just constantly wow. in and out of the hospital. I did a mm -hmm. year of chemotherapy, um, and then I've also done Y90 radiation, um, targeted radiation, chemoembolisms, just all sorts of crazy things, physical therapy, massage therapy from compartment syndrome that I got from being placed on bypass during one of my big surgeries. And currently, um, I'd still do my immunotherapy every three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then um, right now I'm having some problems with my kidney and I'm going to have to have another major surgery in three weeks. So yeah, there's a lot. And I know that's a huge disappointment, the one that you're going to be facing next month. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so... Right now, my cancer is actually doing well, as far as we yeah. can see. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we can't see any active cancer at the time. CT scans can only pick up cancer when it's a certain size. So if there's something there, we just can't see it yet. But okay. my kidney, I only have the one kidney because they took out my right kidney on my very first surgery back in 2014. And mm-hmm. um, because of my big, what well, I've um, termed my Hail Mary surgery that was in March of 2017, yeah. that's when my liver was completely basically covered in cancer except for the left side. So he cut 70% of my liver out. And because of that, the left side of my liver that was left stayed on the left side of my body when your liver is originally on the right side of your body. And that has Mm -hmm. now pushed my kidney and is causing my kidney to not want to function the way it's supposed to anymore. Mm. So they're going to transplant it to the other side of my body, which just sounds like it shouldn't be a thing, but it is. And you've had quite a few abdomen surgeries too at this point. What is this number three or four to like so this ha- will be, be right in the abdomen? Yeah, this will be um, Dr. Z's third time, which is my surgeon, mm-hmm. his third time to slice me open. And then I've been sliced open two other times by two other doctors. And then I have a big long incision on. Oh, from one of my lungs. One of my lung surgeries is when they cut my back open. Oh my goodness. I can't, I mean, we can't even go through this litany that you've gone through. Um, just too many to name. So with all of this, I mean, I'm sure you hate it when people say you just have to choose to be happy. Um, because that has probably not been a very simple choice for you, or maybe it has been, but how about you walk us through some of those hard feelings and reactions that have come up for you these past four and a half years. I mean, I'm sure you have a few stories where it it wasn't this immediate response of, Oh, I can do this. Let's just kick it. Um, and then how you've worked your way through that. Yeah. So I think it's hard for a lot of people. I don't know if it's hard for them. I shouldn't speak for them, but when people start following me now, I'm just at such a different mental than I was four and a half years ago when I was diagnosed Mm -hmm. that now people see me and they see me going through these incredibly hard things and they're like what the heck I don't get it like how is she just smiling and happy and just like getting through all these things and but it didn't start that way like I didn't I wasn't diagnosed with cancer at 26 years old with an 18 month old little girl and was just like yay this is great (laughs) like it's all gonna be okay I I Mm. wasn't I was so pissed and I was mm-hmm. so angry with God and I just I just couldn't understand how this could possibly be a good thing and with my type of cancer most people die within the first year wow. and um and then only 20% live 5 years so I was like no like my baby she's a baby you can't just take her mom from her you know it just yeah it wasn't okay and I was really angry for a long time and so when people are like, well, how'd you get through it? A lot of times I just feel like, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was so, I was so angry, but I, so I actually, yesterday I was like, how did I get through those early years and all the really horrible news that we just kept getting hounded with? And 
I was looking back at my old, like my chat books from all my old Instagram posts Mm -hmm. and I was reading through them and I was like, without me realizing what I was doing back then, but I was still looking for the good. Like I was Mm -hmm. reading these old um, entries and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. But a bunch of them would be like, well, today's news was terrible, but this happened. Yeah. And so like somehow in the midst of just the horrible, horrible darkness that I was feeling, because I was so depressed at one point that I was like, I remember having horrible suicide thoughts like constantly Mm -hmm. and was like, I don't want to be here. And Trayton doesn't need me. That's my husband. And my daughter doesn't need me. Like, my husband can just get remarried. She can find a new mom. Like, I was just, like, I was so low mentally. And somehow, like, even in that crazy, dark place, I was able to get through it. And I think I owe so much of that to the people around me of just loving me through it and allowing me to be really miserable and allowing me to, like, sort through those feelings on my own because Trey, like my husband, he, and we talk about that now. He's like, anytime I tried to look at you and be like, just be happy. He's like, that just made everything worse. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, cause I wasn't, I wasn't in a, in a place mentally where I was ready to hear that, where I was like, no, I can't just be happy. Like I'm dying and mm-hmm. my baby is a baby, you know, and I can't leave her. So I, I went through all of that in the beginning and it was, it was ugly and it was hard. Do you think that there was something about sharing what was going on with you that kind of pushed you to find the strength that you needed? Because I've had some prior guests talk about that. And in fact, one of them I think was Mandy Sherman, who I know you're friends with. Um, she talked about when she's sharing her battle with a terminal um, illness that she it helps push her to find the strength she needs. I, I'm not sure if you can feel the same way. I don't, I don't know, to be honest, because in the beginning, it was really only sharing it with like close family and friends, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. what it's like, what it's built up to be now. Yeah. So I'm not even sure what I think. Honestly, it was just I was so dark. Then you're you're told your whole life that, you know, look for the good, just look for the good. And I think so deep down in me, that was still there, even though it was harder to see and I didn't really want to see it almost, which I think is part of the grieving process and part of going through it all is maybe you're just not ready to really see the good at, at the beginning. Yeah. And sometimes I think it takes the being able to look back on it and seeing the good later that I think that changed as things went on. Like I was able to look back and be like, well, there was a miracle there. Well, there was another tender mercy there. Well, this happened then too. And so that helped me to start to see them more relevant as they were happening rather than having to wait till they were already over to see them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally does. But I also like that you said, um, the people that w- that were closest to you just giving you that love and grace um, as yeah. a way to support you. Yeah, just allowing me the space to do what I needed to do. And mm-hmm. I mean, my husband is a saint. Most men probably would have left me because I was so, 
I was like crazy. And chemotherapy makes you just not yourself. You're just yeah, filled with that. so many horrible drugs. Yeah. Like, one of my friends is going through it right now. And she's like calling me. She's like, what's happening to me? Why do I feel this way? And I'm like, it is the drugs talking. I promise yeah. you. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really hard. It's really hard on a marriage. And I'm so, so thankful that he didn't get rid of me. He just kept telling people, this isn't her. This isn't her. It's the drugs. Yeah. Uh, that's so awesome. What, what a good example that is. Like all those people to just love people and be present with whatever they're feeling. You don't have to fix it. Because I'm sure you had a lot of fixers. And in good, um, good intentions, you know, with good intentions to try to help when people just try to fix things, whether it's take this supplement or go to this person or, yeah, those comments, just feel happy, those probably aren't near as helpful as just letting someone share exactly how they're really feeling and not judging them or make, trying to immediately make them feel better. Yeah, I, I have a little highlight bubble on my Instagram that talks specifically about just being more aware and cautious about how you speak with cancer patients or whatever health struggle someone's going through of claiming that you can cure them or solve the problem or whatever it is with, you know, cause that, that was like crazy in the beginning. Like people were sending me messages like, if you just drink this, then your cancer will go away. If you just do this yeah. and, and then it just leads to a lot of guilt of you feeling like, oh, I caused my own cancer or I, really? you know, it's just people just need to be very cautious about how they speak to someone. And if you do have something that you feel like will really help someone, you can, I don't, I would just recommend saying, hey, there's this whatever, I think it could help you. But if you're not interested, I don't want to tell you more about it. Let me know if you're interested. And then that gives them the window to say, yeah, I'm interested. Let me know more or no, it doesn't, it's not for me right now. You know? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know that highlight existed. So, um, I'll, I'll definitely be linking to your Instagram page for people to check that out. So while you're looking through those chat books and you're able to see, you know, hindsight really does help so much. You're able to see your own, um, strength that maybe you didn't see in the moment. Um, were you also able to see, uh, some turning points that, uh, you were able to rely more or build up that strength um, and what that looked like for you? Um, I definitely, it, turning points for me were just moments that we kind of, uh, in the beginning, there wasn't a lot of them where I, where I felt like mm -hmm. I could breathe again. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, we were just clawing at anything, trying to have, have something that would make us feel like, okay, we can breathe for a minute. Yeah. But it was my, my year of chemotherapy. I started in, um, 2015, I started chemotherapy. And so for the whole year of 2014, it was just like, we don't know what to do. And I was on oral chemo then, but not IV chemo. And it was just constantly questions of what to do. And then I had the second surgery to remove some tumors from my lungs. And then they came right back and it was just like, nothing looked promising. And then by the beginning of 2015, 
had a bunch of them in my lungs and then they had spread to my liver too. And so it was just kind of this scary time of having no good news. And so through my year of chemo, I think I had two scans that they considered stable because there was no new tumors. Um, And the tumors that were there, like it looked like maybe some had grown a little and some had shrunk a little. So they were like, ah, that kind of evens out. So we'll consider it stable. And I just remember grasping onto like that news of being like, this isn't great news, but it's not horrible news. So like, I'm just going to grasp onto it. And that's going to be like my ray of hope for now, because that's all I have, you know? So I think just anything like that, or like little turning points to be like, okay, we can do this. We can make it through another round of chemo because look, this one was stable and the last one wasn't. So, um, yeah, I think I just, held on to those as much as I could. So what's kind of this new normal for you? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of circumstantial new normals of things like you have to do each day to, to be healthy and like tons of doctor's appointments and, you know, treatments, including these infusions you talked about every three weeks, but I mean more like internally. Um, how do you process each day? So I, the, the biggest turning point for me through this whole thing was when I started Keytruda because I had been given two to three months to live. Mm-hmm. And, um, in the very beginning in 2014, you said, so the, well, was... 2014, they had basically just told me you're dying and like, you're just dead. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's not cool. So I, that wow. was an oncologist here in Utah. Mm-hmm. And so I traveled to Chicago after that for a year to meet with an oncologist there. And then when I started IV chemo, she was like, you're going to want to do it in Utah, somewhere close to home because you're going to be really sick. So I found a different oncologist and started that here. And it was after my year of chemotherapy that my oncologist here was like, look, I don't know what else to do. You probably have two to three months to live. Your lungs are full. Your liver has some tumors and um and then I started on this immunotherapy drug in California and um, I started feeling good and the chemotherapy left my system and um, I was getting fed a drug that was building my immune system rather than wrecking it. And so I like, it's really, that's the hardest thing with battling cancer, I believe, is that when you're full of those drugs and you don't feel good physically, it's really hard to stay mentally strong as well. Mm-hmm. Like your, your physical body, it does, it houses your spirit and, and your mind. And so when it's weak, it's, it's twice as hard, if not three or four times as hard to keep that mental state strong. And so when I started feeling good again, it became so much easier for me to be like, oh my gosh, this is happening and this is good and, and we're going to be okay. And, um, and then I got the great news that the Keytruda had taken away um, almost all of my tumors. And so wow. that was like the mm. point that I was like, oh my gosh, we can actually breathe again. And I just consider, because there was three months of that, of me being able to like be with my family and really enjoy them for the first time in two years. And it was, I, we just, it was that breath of fresh air that we hadn't had for two years and we finally got it. And I just, I dove in head first and was like, we are living the summer up 
And I just, I remember um, talking to a friend at one point and saying to them, if I were to die now, I would be okay. Because I was just like, God gave me this gift of this time with my family, of me feeling good and like being able to really spend time with them again. And I was just like, I'm at peace. If, if he chooses to take me now, like I know God knew what was coming and he kind of gave me that breath of fresh air to get my feet really grounded and under me so that I could take on what was, what was coming next. And that was before your Hail Mary surgery? Yeah, that was before the one in my, the tumor in my liver just went crazy and was trying to kill me. And so you feel like you probably had another similar summer to that before you probably, I mean, got the bad news about your kidney. Um, is that how the summer kind of felt for you as well? Just another one of those, how did I, how did I get through that difficult time and how are we right now where we are and able to enjoy this time as a family? Yeah. So now, especially, I think every patient that gets diagnosed with cancer, they hope and they believe that it's going to be, you know, a year or two or however long battle. And then they're going to get to this state of like remission and everything's going to be fine and, and they're going to kind of move on. And so even though I know the statistics of my cancer, I still hoped for that in the beginning. And I still wanted that obviously. And, but over the years of seeing what it is, like how it is the way with my body, I just have accepted the fact that this is my life and it's always going to be my life. And we're always going to have to be maintaining my cancer and the steps that we're in. And I think um, accepting that has allowed me to just enjoy life no matter what's going on. Like no matter what stage we're at with this, like I feel I, even though I have a crazy surgery coming up in three weeks, I'm just yeah. like, I'm okay with it because I just, I know firsthand that God is aware of everything that's going on. I know that whatever grand plan that he has for me, he is at the head of it and he's guiding me through it. And so I'm okay with trusting his plan now. At the beginning, I wasn't, <laughs> Yeah. but he's proven to me time and time again that that his plan is going to be better than what I planned. And I just, I have faith in that now and I've been able to build that. And so, yeah, this summer has been amazing because we've had another summer. I'm like, maybe this will be like a routine. Like every two years I'll get the summer <laughs> to enjoy yeah. life and then I'll get smacked with something else again. And I'm like, I can do that. That's, that's, that works for me. So I don't know like what, how bad the surgery is going to be like recovery wise. Like I just, I'm not really sure what it's going to do, you know, and we just, I'm always so confusing to my doctors. So I'm sure they're just like, I guess we'll see, which is kind of like I'm in. I'm like, I'll just take it as it comes and, and roll with it as we, as we figure it all out. So I'm one of those people that I like some tangible things, um, to do. Um, you know, when they say, uh, just keep the faith, you know, I'm like, but what does that look like? Like, what do I actually do to keep the faith or build my faith or rely on something? Um, do you have some things that you do each day to help recenter yourself on this 
way of accepting and upholding that acceptance and and because of that being able to uh, see the good and to search for the good so one of my favorite things is keeping a gratitude journal and I do that every morning I just it's one of the first things I do I wake up and I do my gratitude journal and I I think that's a huge thing because even on And if I don't do it in the morning, I make sure to try and do it at night. And it's just one of those things that it's, I don't know. I just feel like there's so many sayings that have gone on for so long. It's like, oh, just be grateful. And people just overlook them. And I'm like, no, really, if you can sit down and be like, I'm going to write down two things every day that I'm grateful for. And it's, it's, it's cool because it's changed my perspective on so many things like, Sometimes I'll get in my car and I'll just all of a sudden be so happy. And I'm like, oh my heck, I'm so happy I have a car to drive right now. Like, I just yeah. got in to take my kid to school and now I'm just like driving on paved roads. And, you know, there's just like being more aware of how many things in life we have to be grateful for. Just really, it just, it changes your nature in your, in your brain, I think. Like you just naturally start to look for the good. Um, That's I incredible. Uh, what's the, the, yeah, and it totally changes. There's a quote that says, the eye sees what the mind thinks or something. Yeah. So if you like think positive things and great, like if you're constantly trying to find things to be grateful for, your eyes are going to see it and you're going to start to notice things more often. And so that's made a huge difference for me is, is holding a gratitude journal. When did you start doing that? Um, probably over a year ago. Yeah. I like how simple it is too. I mean, it's just like two or three things a day and, and small yeah. things. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be anything big. Like sometimes I'll just be like, I'm grateful that I survived the day. <laughs> like, yeah. My like, daughter yeah. was terrible and I survived the day and I'm glad it's it. over. Like I'm grateful yes. that she's in bed right now asleep, you know? <laughs> Yes, because sometimes at the end of the day, like that's how you feel. You're like, I'm just so done, but we made it and we're alive and everything is good. And, you know, that's something to talk about, too. I mean, even 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 with this huge battle that you've had for four and a half years, it's still the day to day stuff can still be hard and get you down. You know, it's not like you suddenly are like, hey, nothing, nothing, nothing's too little. I mean, a kid throwing a tantrum still can be really hard. So even if we're not battling what you're battling, it's just like you gotta you gotta find that source of strength and hold to it. You're not gonna get through a good bad day, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was actually talking to a friend today, and she made the point of saying it sounds to her like for me it's easier to deal with the really big things than it is to like deal with the smaller things. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. Like I can handle like these big, crazy, hard trials, but then it's the day-to-day hard things that like can get me down so easy. And I Mm -hmm. think that's pretty normal for especially moms to just, it's the day-to-day endless torment of your children throwing tantrums or whatever it is that can so easily get me down. And then my surgeon tells me I have to have surgery and I'm like upset about it for 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, moving on, you know? Yeah. 
that's well you know I'm glad you would speak to that so so um openly because I mean it helps us know like we're not we're not bad if we're just having a good bad day um yeah. you know and I felt similar like my I don't know I'm not going to go through the whole thing that happened to us this year but it's nothing compared to what you face but like, you know, we had a botched kitchen renovation when I was heavily pregnant. We lost a ton of money with it. Then my son um, needed emergency surgery at nine days old. And then, like, you know, just anything that could go wrong circumstantially at that point went wrong. But it was, like, after he was all healed and after our kitchen was finally finished, you know, while we scra- scraped through it, I was suddenly, like, hit with how hard life was. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, why is that? Why did I feel so strong? You know, what I, like, gave my son to a surgeon and wasn't sure if he was going to survive a surgery. And and now I'm, like, really upset that my three-year-old had a really terrible tantrum and was really hard all day. <laughs> it's it's I think hard. that's part of, like, our fight-or-flight response or something. Like, we just, yeah. when we need to show up, like, our, it's like our body knows, okay, now's the time. I really got to be strong, and this is big and huge, and I can do it. But it, when it's like these mundane, like day to day things that always happen, they simply just wear us out and we're like, okay, I don't have the energy for that anymore. Yes. I mean, maybe we just got worn out with the other stuff, I guess. But so, so is there anything else you can think of of something that you do um, that we can practice as well? Um, I, I kind of pray differently than yeah, tell me about um, that. just. I just know that for me, like kneeling down and saying like a normal prayer, I don't feel that connection with God. Like I just, I feel like it's routine and it's just kind of there. So for me, when I really want to talk to God, I do it out loud, first of all, because that works. And my favorite place to do it is in the shower um, because I can just like, then my husband or my child or anyone can't hear me. So even in the beginning, that's what I did. If I needed to have like a really good cry and like talk to God about what was happening, I would go to the shower and I would just turn it on. And then I would just sit there for like an hour and just cry out, you know, and be willing to ask him questions and tell him exactly how I was feeling. Like there's plenty of times that I was like, you've got the wrong girl. I don't know what you're thinking, but this is not okay with me. And I always like that. Just, I feel like I have a friend in, in God now and not just this kind of obscure being that, you know, we learn about and we hear about, but like a real connection of being like, okay, hey, he's going to talk to me and he's going to, you know, He's going to speak to me through different people. He's going to answer my prayers and it's all going to be okay. And when I need to talk to him, like really, really talk to him, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to him. And I think that has really given me more faith. I feel like in the beginning, I kind of had faith out of necessity because I didn't know what else to do. You know, it was like, well, this is so scary and so hard. I don't know what else to do, but take another step forward and just, go for it because this is so scary and this is so new. And now I don't feel like I'm taking blind steps forward anymore. Now I'm taking steps, not knowing what's in front of me, but not really 
being too worried about what's in front of me because I know God's right there on the other side of it. And it's just like, come on. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. And before I was like, no, I'm going to hang back here. And he's like trying to like pull me along, you know? Yeah. So I think creating that, that, yeah, creating that stronger relationship has really changed my ability to, to have faith in his plan for me. So I'm imagining you still looking through those chat books again. You know, I'm thinking about who you were before this all went down four and a half years ago, the old Kim and the new Kim. So I just wanted to know who is Kim now and what parts of the old Kim do you miss? But what parts of the new Kim are you super proud of? The only parts I really miss about the old Kim is my feet being normal <laughs> your feet yeah so my really well, my, I don't know my right, what about this yeah my right leg it um it's the leg that was hooked up during bypass oh and I see it got, okay yeah and it got compartment syndrome from it so when I woke up from surgery oh, I, I couldn't feel from my right knee down okay. and so my right leg is still struggling to this day and mm-hmm. I so like I've insane amounts of progress because I work with physical therapists and physiotherapists and so whenever I think about the old me I always and when I look at pictures and stuff I'm always like oh I could walk and not be in pain or I'm like oh Uh Mm -hmm. like that's really when I think about the old me that's what I miss but when I think about the old me mentally I don't miss anything you know I'm just like no I'm so much stronger mentally now than I ever have been emotionally, spiritually, like everything that was good about me then is a hundred times stronger about me now because of the trial that I've gone through. And so I really don't miss the old me except for physical parts of my body. (laughs) Yeah, that makes total sense to me. So let me ask you a question that totally doesn't need to be on the air. But when um, people say like everything is meant to happen for a reason or like you're given a trial. Um, how do you, how do you view that? Um, I, I, I don't believe for me personally, I don't believe that God gives like sees this trial and hands it to you. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. he knows it's going to happen and that he allows life to happen. He allows your body to get cancer He allows the car to hit your car and put you in a horrible accident. Um, I believe that he can stop these things to happen if that's what is part of his plan. But I believe he allows life and he allows agency, which allows us to, I don't know, do like he allows the person to get into a car as a drunk driver and then take someone else's life because, you know, if he didn't allow them to get into the car, then he's taking away their agency. And so I just, I believe that he just allows life to happen because it's supposed to happen. And if it's not supposed to happen, I believe that his divine being will, will step in and, and, and take your path a different way. And so I do believe that everything is supposed to happen. And this is exactly what my life was supposed to look like. He knew it was going to look this way, um, and I believe it's supposed to look this way, and I'm supposed to learn, and I'm supposed to share my story to hopefully help people get through their own trials and 
So I totally believe that everything does happen and that we're supposed to learn from it and what's supposed to happen will happen. Yeah. I was just curious what your perspective was on that because I've heard, I heard a a few different ways of people viewing that. And I mean, they kind of all make sense to me, you know, it's just ultimately, I mean, we, we can't really know that right now, but, um, at least being able to see a purpose within it, not necessarily like you had to have this trial in order to gain that strength. I don't necessarily believe that, but I do think you've been able to find the purpose within it. And that's where that strength has come in. It's, it's one of those chicken and egg things. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. The other thing I think is really helpful to, for people that are going through any trial in life is to figure out for yourself what you want that trial to mean. So I think yeah. if people can, like for me, I've just chosen to believe that mm-hmm. God wants me to have this trial because I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm going to grow mentally. And he wants me to share it because I can help others through their own thing. Whether or not any of that's true, I may never know, but it gives me peace to help me get through it. And so I think if people can just choose what they want their trial to to mean to them and then just believe it and move forward, then it can help them find peace through it and be like, even if it's not true, at least it gives me peace and I can move forward with, with whatever I want it to want it to mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's brilliant. I've never looked at things that way that changes things. It kind of gives you the power. Yeah, it totally does. If you're like, I want this trial to mean that I am strong enough to handle it and that I needed it so I could grow this way. Then let it mean that just tell yourself that's what it's mean. That that's what it means. That's why you have it. And then don't think about it again. Just, just be like, okay, that's what it means. I'm going to move forward and believe that that's what it means. And that's why I needed this trial. Cause I think so, so often we just sit there and say, why, 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 why? If you get to choose the why and then move forward with it. And then one day you can ask God and be like, was I right? Or was I wrong? (laughs) But either way it got you through it. And so I don't think it matters whether or not you're right or wrong. Okay, that's brilliant. And I mean, at the, yeah, at the end of the day, it gets you, it gets you through it and it gets you stronger. So you probably won't be too yeah. far off. Um, so I like to ask each guest this question um, before we say goodbye. And it's what have you learned about yourself the past few years? And this can be, this can be all across the board. Some people have said really funny things and simple character traits they've discovered about themselves or other people have shared deeper, more meaningful things. Uh, one of the first things I thought about is I always knew that I was like really, I don't even know how to put it, competitive, very strong willed, like red personality. Yeah. And I definitely, and I think I kind of tried to deny that most of my life. I was like, no, I'm not that bad. Like you guys are over exaggerating. And now I'm like, nope, hundred percent. That is yeah, that is it. me. And I, I just believe, like, I just know that me being that way has been such a blessing because yeah. this is not easy. And I just, if I wasn't the way I am, I don't think that I would be where I am today. And it's always funny to me, like when my doctors will make comments about it and I'll just be like, Oh, Kim would never throw a tantrum or Kim would never. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm not that bad guys. And my doctors just like roll their eyes at me. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm that bad, <laughs> but it's, 
it's just funny to me now that I'm like, yeah, that is me, but it's cool. I'm happy. I'm, I'm comfortable with it now. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, that's why you are where you are right now. Yeah. So the crazy fighter in me has turned out to be a good thing. Well, I so loved being able to spend this time with you, Kim. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a good time. This was such a profound interview for me because I think Kim gives us permission to feel the hard. And in doing that, we're able to better work through things and find the good. And I also loved her gratitude practice. It's so simple. It's something we can all do. So whether or not you are battling something as big as Kim or as normal hard as a kid who's really struggling in your life, learn from Kim. Let's practice that gratitude. Let's choose our own whys behind our trials. So that way we are moving forward to something. I learned so much from Kim and I'm so glad that she was able to be on the show. She's getting surgery next week. So please keep her in your thoughts and your prayers and like really do it really think about her, really pray for her because I know that works. I'm so grateful you are here. I'm grateful that you keep coming back. For those of you who share this podcast, I just want to give you a big hug. That's what keeps us going. So if you like what you hear today, share it, share it, share it. And if you do so online, tag me at About Progress because I would love to connect with you there. I'll see you next Wednesday for another interview. And until then, take care of yourself.